Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. You ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. They need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB Trailer Sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB Trailer Sales. You have a friend in the trailer business and make sure to tell them that Racers and Rental Cars sent you. Let's put it up for the weekend warriors. It's the Racers and Rental Cars podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Bray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Keep on till they can't ignore you. Let's put it up for the weekend warriors. Thank you for downloading today's episode of the Racers and Rental Cars podcast, brought to you in part by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by Motion Raceworks for all your high-performance needs. If you need to go fast, visit MotionRaceworks.com today. With me tonight, I get the pleasure of finally, after it seems like months on end, like I was trying to chase a prom date down, uh, <laughs> to, to get Mr. Ralph Shaheen on the podcast with us, Racers and Rental Cars, Speed Sport. Feld Entertainment Extraordinaire, NBC Sports. I don't know exactly where I'm supposed to stop with reading your resume, sir. Thank you for being on with us tonight. I'm glad we finally got to make this all happen. Yeah, this is great. Well, you are a fixture in the motorsports world. And, and if, if Wikipedia is even remotely close, it says that you've been in the motorsports industry for over 30 years. Is that true or false? Yeah. Yeah, that part they got right. This is the uh, 32nd year of me uh, broadcasting on national television. So for our listeners who don't know you, who may be down under in Australia or they've been living on a rock in Montana, give us a 30-second elevator pitch of your background, sir. Uh, Well, let's see. Uh, Man, where do you begin, right? Uh, I've called every form of motorsport out there you can possibly think of from swamp buggies to formula one um and everything in between obviously supercross is a big thing these days that's uh, where you see me the most but there really isn't one form of motorsport that i haven't been a part of that i can think of um i grew up in sacramento california started pa announcing races all across northern california and it just kind of Evolved from there, got my first shot on TV back in 88, and my first Supercross in 89, and, you know, I've been going at it ever since. So, first Supercross in 1989. Yeah, Tampa Bay, uh, the old Sombrero, it was called the Coors Extra Gold Championship back then. Coors Extra Gold. Well, I don't want to date myself, but in 1989, I was still a couple years uh, removed but still chasing the light at the end of the tunnel of graduating high school. Yeah, well, I wasn't that far out of high school, to be honest with you. I was uh, fresh out of college at that point. Okay. Fresh out of college, 
grew up in Sacramento, California. And what drove you in the direction? Let's let's say drive. Did you get driven in the direction of being a sports journalist, or is that really what they like to call you? Do they like to call you a sports journalist, or are you just a sports media announcer? What what's the actual terminology? Sports cast, sports broadcaster, sportscaster, that type of thing. Um, no, I, you know, I always knew I wanted to be in uh, television, calling uh, races was, or sports in general. Racing was just something I really loved. So the uh, an opportunity doors opened there first. So the more those opportunities came, just got deeper and deeper into it. And for long, racing dominated my calendar, uh, which was great. I had no problem with that. I love that. Um, it just, I knew as a kid, I wanted to be in sports broadcasting and really had a passion for it. Just chased it. Uh, there's no set pattern on how you go about getting there. Uh, it's not, you just go to college, you get a degree, hang a shingle on your door and open for business. Uh, there's really no set pattern for how you make it happen. There's, there was my road. That's the one that worked for me, but it wouldn't be the same for anybody else. So who was, so we're going to go back. So you're, you're talking 1989. So I'm the, the, the sports motor, or let's just say motorsports broadcasters that kind of stick in my head during that time frame. Uh, I'm thinking Steve Evans. Yep. Um, Dave McClellan. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I worked with all those guys. Um, uh, I actually replaced Dave when, uh, he left NHRA on TNN, uh, and Steve and I did a lot of years together on the road. He's a dear friend, but, you know, Dave Despain, Bob Varsha, uh, Ken Squire, uh, Gary Gerald, um, you know, Jim McKay, um, there's Brock Yates. There was a ton of guys that were um, calling the races back then and even before then. Um, Larry Newber, um, gosh, a, a whole host of guys, Paul Page and IndyCar. So I'm wondering, you, you really went down a list of a lot of people that I remember as a kid listening to. And, and I'll be quite honest, one of my vices, if you will, is when I go out in the shop and I, it's just me and I'm just working along. The first thing I do is put on YouTube and just to be able to hear you know, Steve Evans calling, you know, the winter nationals or the world finals or, yeah. call, you know, and to hear him and Dave McClellan in the background and then see, you know, then up pops Jerry Gerald, who was not that long ago that he was in HRA, but you, you go through that list of, of listening to these voices and you wonder sometimes because now we're modern day. And so for most of our drag racing guys, we, you know, it's Brian loans, you know, or it was Dave reef and, you know, in this, I guess, if you want to say in this decade time frame, and we have up and coming kids that are out there listening. And I always wonder what it was that, you know, makes someone go, man, I want to, I want to hear my voice and I want to tell the story that's going on in a form of motorsports. So was, was there something that happened to you, you know, family, uh, friend? No, I think it was, um, you know, just, Growing up as a kid, watching racing on TV, and there wasn't a whole lot of it on TV when I was a kid, um, I just thought, you know, look, if you can't 
be Mario Andretti or Don Perdome because of the uh, financial challenges or the opportunities that are out there to get to that level, then what's the next best thing? Well, that's being on TV, going to those races and talking about those races. And, you know, watching Jimmy Kay and Chris Economaki and, and all those guys doing the races when I was really little um, led to wanting to be in that position as I got older. And uh, fortunately, I was able to make that happen. But it's probably something different for everybody, you know. And, and, and I don't think I don't think there's any one particular thing that drives you to wanting to do that. It's it was you know I, I had a passion for sports and racing for sure, and just looking for my way to be a part of it. Most of us have had those conversations with our loved ones, even if it was our parents, right? We say, "Hey, this is what I'm going to go do." And somebody in the room goes, have you lost your mind? You can't make any money at that. Oh, yeah. What, what were those types of conversations within your family? Or, or uh, let's say at this point when you're graduating college, you know, your, your guidance counselors, your advisors, your mentors that were in college, your professors that say, hey, Ralph, where are you going? Well, I'm, I'm going to get a microphone. <clears throat> well, I went to uh, Chico State out in California and double majored in broadcasting and public relations. So college counselor thought getting a microphone was a great idea because that's what I went to school for. Uh, and I was already PA announcing races all around Northern California the whole time I was in college. Um, my dad had died when I was about 12. My mom was extremely supportive, but my other relatives thought I was nuts. Uh, they didn't, they didn't really get it. Uh, and it wasn't until much later on when I started showing up on legitimate networks and, you know, making this thing happen for a while that they thought, okay, maybe he's not as completely crazy as we thought. Um, now they're my biggest fans and supporters, but it just took a while for them to uh, understand it. But my mom was always a massive supporter uh, and just believed that, you know, you can achieve whatever you want to do. Uh, fortunately, my wife, I was doing all that before I was married and had kids. So by the time my future wife came along, I was already, somewhat established and she was like okay this is what you do this is cool i like racing here we go that so that's a significant thing that or i didn't say significant that's a consistent thing with most people uh that you okay. you know you poll or you talk to is that somebody in their circle family member was supportive of what it is that you that we choose chose to do um because i, I just we haven't really talked to anybody that didn't have at least one family member uh or a mentor you know a confidant that they could rely on to help push them uh, and help them through the journey because motorsports is not an easy journey to go on regardless of what level no. position wise no it's it's not it it's like picking any athletic endeavor or saying you to be a musician or, uh, you know, anything that's outside the norm. Again, like I said, you know, it's not that being a doctor is easy or a lawyer for that matter or anything like that, but there's a, there's a pattern to it. Um, you go to school, you, you try to get the best grades, you know, graduate the high top of the class and then you hang your shield and everybody goes, well, he's the best lawyer to come out of Harvard. He's a guy. And people start showing up that has, you know, nobody's even asked me if I ever went to college, let alone what my GPA was in this business. They just want to know where have you worked last and let's 
see some, you know, resume reel. Um, that's what this is all about. So experience here in my field outweighs uh, your GPA by a million miles. Uh, now, if you're on the competitor side, how many wins do you have? And can you bring any sponsorship dollars uh, outweigh the rest? So let's jump ahead just a little bit then, because you said that on the resume reel. From your point, being in, being in this segment, in this workplace environment for over 30 years, how many different people have you like honestly mentored? Like you, you know, they, people reach out to you and they say, Hey, look, this is, I, I want to be the next version of you or, or a uh, version of you. Uh, that, that number, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you because I've always been, um, really committed to helping because there were people that helped me. And I felt like, you know, if Dave Despain, which he did, uh, or Bob Varsh or, or numerous others, Mike Joy could take the time to help me, Ken Squire, to give me advice, Chris Economac, he did. Uh, then if they're as big a name as they were when I was asking them, then little old me can certainly help anybody that comes along. Now, it might not be the advice they want to hear. Um, and by that, I mean, a lot of guys have asked me, well, how do I get your job? And I tell them, like I've said to you, like, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to tell you this any other way than what I did. Here's what I did. And when I start telling them that I announced races for quite a while for free before I got paid 25 bucks to do it, a lot of them are like, hey, I can't do it for free. Then I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you at that point. You know, and I understand if you're married and you got kids, you got to make a living. So maybe you can't do that. Um, I don't know any other way to do that. I just know what I did. Um, but if anybody, you know, if somebody asks, I always, whether they reach out to you on social media or come up to you at the racetrack or a grocery store for that matter, I always, uh, answer any questions and give any advice I possibly can to help anybody. So someone of your stature comes on the show. We always ask. So give us, give us two names of up and comers that you feel like they're not on our radar. They're not on NBC you know, sports or they're not on Fox sports and, and we, we don't know them yet, but you know that they're out there. Podcaster wise. Yes, sir. I have no idea. I really don't. And I, and I don't say that in a way that I'm not, I'm not being mean or arrogant or anything. I just, um, I see the same people you see, you know, and I usually see them when they're already on the air. Um, the only and I can't even tell you that I've heard some guy on a PA somewhere because even most of the racetracks I go to, the guys that are on the PA at a Knoxville, like a Tony Bachoven, he's already doing TV somewhere. Right. So everybody already knows Tony. Um, so I, I really don't know who that voice out there would be because if, if that voice is out there, they're already being used Somewhere. The one thing I would tell you, though, is that the industry is changing so much that you might not see them on NBC. You might see them on uh, a live stream somewhere because the live streaming, it's the wild, wild west out there, the way this stuff is all going. Um, more racing is moving off of, you know, the networks and moving over to these live streams and stuff that, there's announcers all over the place, and a lot of them are guys who are on a PA somewhere, and their voice is being put onto the live stream, and you, you hear them there. 
Um, and they might just stay there because that becomes a pretty good gig. Well, let's let's jump to that because that was on my sheet. Now, your company, for for our listeners who don't know, uh, Speed Sport. You're you're yeah. one, you're one of the big you're one of the big wig executives. You got the nameplate on the door and everything. Uh, it was so, which that means that you get the expense sheets every month as well yeah, as, right. a, <laughs> as the profit sheet, right? Um, let's talk about live streaming. Um, now, help me out with this. Turn three media, correct? Yeah. So yeah. now your involvement with that, you've got your own live stream media. That you, that you guys are doing with speed sports. Yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah. So like I was saying, I mean, um, it is changing so fast out there. The technology is advancing. The cost of doing it is dropping. It's just getting easier and easier to do broadcasts, uh, high quality broadcasts with, you know, not much more than your phone. Actually. Uh, it's kind of crazy what's out there. Um, so Speed Sport started in 1934. Everybody knows it as National Speed Sport News. Um, like this thing here. You know, all National Speed Sport News. And we bought the brand about seven, eight years ago. Chris Economaki had run it for many, many years and turned it into a you know, the number one source for uh, information, what was going on in racing. Of course, that was all before the internet. It was a, it was a newspaper, traditional full and half black and white newspaper. Um, in fact, hang on a sec. This right here is the original from 1934. Wow. It was known as uh, national, uh, the Bergen Herald, was a newspaper in New Jersey, and they did a um, an insert, and this is what it started as, and it's no more than about six pages, and uh, you know just gave local news and insight to what was happening in that area, and then eventually um, it turned into a weekly, its own paper, and then it became National Speed Sport News, and then Chris took it over and took it into. Uh, you know, what everybody was running to their mailbox for on, on a Friday. Um, then after that, he passed in his 90s. I was good friends with Chris and his family, um, and they decided they were going to shut it down, but we talked him into selling the brand to us, and we basically bought the logo. That's what we did. And we turned it into Speed Sport, because that's what everybody called it anyway. And uh, now, hang on a second. Listeners, he is going through a historic deal right now. If Tommy, yeah. Tommy Pope, I know when you listen to this broadcast, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be jealous because I got to so, see the first version. Tom, you've got to get in so touch with him and see it. There's Speed Sport now. It's a it's a magazine. Uh, this is actually the uh, the February issue that just came out with old Seven Time on the cover there, Jimmy Johnson. So, you know, we've turned that newspaper into that magazine. And it, you know, it really had to evolve into a full-fledged media company. That was the thing. Um, because just doing a newspaper, just doing a magazine, just doing TV isn't enough these days. You have to have all these different media layers. So we, we turn it into a magazine, a website, 
podcasts. You know, I do the Ralph Shaheen show. We do that just like you do with yours. Everybody's doing them now. We have our own television series on MAV TV. Uh, it's on every Thursday night at 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock Eastern called Speedsport, presented by WorkingHendrick.com. And it's, it's kind of a wide world of sports, of motorsports. It's all upper second tier level racing, um, different forms, sprint cars, dirt late models, midgets, drag racing, whatever it might be. Um, but no rice fees involved, right? I don't have IndyCar or NHRA or NASCAR uh, sanctioned on any of our races, but we have, you know, stuff from Volusia County Speedway and uh, Oswego, big super modified events from up there. All the stuff, a Super Dirt Week is a part of our series. So all the stuff the fans love and want us to see. Uh, and then we went ahead and bought Sprint Car Mini. This is our most recent issue of that, which was the leader in this category of motorsports journalism. And uh, Doug Ald, who had started Sprint Car Mission, was ready to move move on and from ownership. So we bought this brand, brought it in-house. He believed we were the right guys to shepherd this on further, and he stayed on board as the editor. So now we took Sprint Car Midget, kept the magazine alive, gave it its own website, which it had never had, uh, and we're doing a lot of the same things with that brand. And then the most exciting thing that we just started is Speedsport TV Network. So that's an over-the-top television network. Um, it's Real TV is like Netflix and Hulu. You go to uh, Amazon Prime. You can go to Apple TV, Fire Stick, all those usual outlets that people go to to get their television these days. And you can find Speedsport Network on there. Within our network, if you think of it like Netflix, um, there's some 47 or so affiliates providing racing coverage in there. There's also a speech for channel within that network. So people can, for example, we just partnered up with Power Eye, uh, one of the leaders in sprint cars and midget racing around the country. Uh, you can go on the Power Eye TV channel, which will be coming real soon, and watch all their races right there. You can see some of them on the Speed Sport TV channel as well. So that's really where a lot of this is moving. And uh, we're trying to be one of the leaders in that category and doing it with this logo that everybody's known for 86 years. So Ralph, the move to the live stream now, that's a lot to digest, isn't it? Well, actually uh, for the drag racing world, uh, it's been a hot button topic for about the last 45 days uh, with the speed video uh, going from a free, uh, stream for most of the drag racing events that they were streaming live uh, to a subscription-based model. Yep. And it really uh, kind of upset the Apple card, if you will, because the broadcasts for so many years were the different events were free and racers were able to use that as a demographic and a metric with their, you know, their sponsors or their potential partners sure. and so forth. And it really kind of got, um, everybody up in arms uh, because it, it's a significant thing for the eyeballs and the impressions and so forth, all of which you're w- well aware of. What, now, you started your conversation off about the wild, wild west and live streaming becoming more and more affordable. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you how what what's what's inside your building? What's the word affordable 
what what numbers get attached to affordable when it comes to to the pay-per-view or the streaming processes uh within speed sport and turn three well the affordable part is that you don't need all the massive equipment that you used to need i don't need to necessarily take a full blown tv truck to the event to do a live stream the way you had to do not that long ago um so it gets more affordable that way um but look everybody's got to make a living right so if if you can't get there's only two ways this gets paid for it's either through advertising dollars or subscriptions it's one or the other so um the advertisers you know if you can get them great otherwise you got to have the subscriptions to make it work i mean look you're already subscribing to netflix and you're probably subscribing to amazon prime and you might be subscribing to hulu and disney just came out with their deal and espn everybody's got it i mean it's it's just the way the world is going what's going to end up happening is people are going to have to just choose you know i mean everybody got frustrated that there was your cable bill and you were you were paying that and you had all these channels on there and i didn't care to watch all these others so what do i do well, now you have the choice. You're still going to have to pay at some point. Somebody has to, uh, or it doesn't happen. And I understand the frustration of it. I mean, look, there's things I don't want to pay for. You just have to decide now which things you value more than the other. Uh, and hopefully, as this continues to evolve, the prices will come down, of course, and everything will sort itself out, and you'll be able to pick and choose what you want. And couldn't agree more with that from that standpoint. And and I've been, I've had rotten tomatoes thrown at me, if you will, with words, because I look at it from the standpoint, I'm a marketing guy, got an MBA, I'm a racer, I work for a family and I have to manage there. So I have all three sides of it to, to evaluate. And it's not that you're picking one side or the other, you're trying to actually formulate a plan or an argument, if you will, to to be able to take advantage of the opportunities and challenges that are provided regardless of what the outcomes are. We have to have eyeballs and impressions for our sponsors. We have to reach fans. We have to cultivate new fans. Uh, You know, we have to be good stewards of the dollar for our partners. Thank you for downloading today's episode of the Racers and Rental Cars podcast, brought to you in part by MotionRaceworks.com. Stop by Motion Raceworks for all your high-performance needs. If you need to go fast, visit MotionRaceworks.com today. Hey, Cam. Yes, Don. Do you ever think about how crammed your trailer is when you go race? Dude, all the time. Race cars, golf carts, jets, power wheels, and all of his toys, his little dirt bikes, his strider bikes, all that stuff. I'm crammed. But I'm sure everybody in motorsports is feeling the same way. Well, now our audience has someone to call. I need to call Lance at lbtrailers.com. Lance is carrying over 70 motorsports haulers in stock options from top to bottom. We always talk about looking the part in motorsports, traveling up and down the road and at the track. Now you can look the part with LB Trailer Sales. Go to online to lbtrailers.com or stop by Facebook at LB Trailer Sales. You have a friend in the trailer business and make sure to tell them that Racers and Rental Cars sent you. How difficult or creative are is your company, your team having to get 
as far as vendor packages and opportunities and benefits with the live stream market being the way it it is in the wild west that's got to be a huge challenge inside your boardroom well it's massive but see the thing we've done that's different than everybody else is we formed an actual network where all these others are just out live streaming an event at a time we put a whole network together and we did an over-the-top television network so we're not just live streaming through your computer or your ipad you can get us on tv a lot of these other majority of these other live stream deals are just on your TV or your iPad or your, you know, whatever you got that you can dial it up on through the internet. We're not that way. We are just like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon prime where you can get it on Apple TV and fire stick and, you know, all that sort of stuff. That's real TV. Now you can also see it on any mobile device. There's a whole different way of doing it. And the other thing we've done is we've gone to our affiliates, these different sanctioning bodies and racetracks, uh, marketers, teams, whoever wants to have a channel within the network. And we're giving them control of their content. So if somebody just goes and says, hey, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to go to Trackstrip XYZ and we're going to, um, we're just going to put your race up and here's, here's $100 for the rights to do that. All that drag strip owner got out of that was $100. He has no control over his content. That's one of the things that is going to be changing a lot here because we're hearing it now from promoters, sanctioned by people. It's like, well, this is great. My stuff's going out, but I have no control over it. I got a few dollars for the opportunity to put it out there, but in reality, I have no control over what happened to it, where it went, what the image is like. Um, taking care of my sponsors and the people that are important to me and my venue or my sanctioning body or my racers, it's just out there. So that's why I say it was wild, wild west. Now some people are going, okay, well, this is pretty, for the last couple of years, this was okay. We were just getting out there. We're getting recognition. People heard about us, didn't know anything about us. Now all of a sudden they're getting a little wiser to this. Like, hey, well, wait, wait a minute. I want to make sure that I'm really maximizing this opportunity. Well, what does that mean? Well, you got to have control over it to be able to maximize that opportunity. Same thing with those racers. Well, great. It, it went out, but what happened with it? Who was talked about? Were sponsors mentioned? Were, were the right messages being told to really drive the sport forward? Or was it just out there? And was it just the same every week? So it's, it's going to really start evolving here, and that's where we're getting way ahead of it. By forming this network, we're going out there and we're saying to all the affiliates that are with us, we're saying, we're not just going to take your content, throw it out there and, you know, hope for the best. No, we're working with you. We're a partner with you. We are – think of it this way. Back in the – you used NBC, for example. You had your local NBC affiliate where you'd watch – you know, all this stuff during the day that might be, you know, Good Morning Charlotte or whatever the local morning shows are and, you know, all that sort of stuff, your local sports team. But then there's a point in the day where the network, NBC, is providing you friends and Seinfeld and the national news, right? You were a partner with them. Well, that's what we're doing. We're coming to you and we're saying, okay, on the weekend, you need to get your event out there. But what are you doing Monday through Saturday? or Monday through Friday before your racing activities begin. Well, we're helping to provide them 
speed sport content and working with them to help them develop content so that you're not just going to said drag racing channel just on Saturday, but you're going to them Monday through Saturday or Sunday through Saturday, staying involved with them. And now that sanctioning body, that racing series, that track, those racers are really growing. Think of those numbers and what they can then tell their sponsors. That's a whole different deal than we were just up for free on Saturday and you had to sit there all day and watch all these cars go down the street. Oh, there I went. That's true. And that is one thing that I know um, James Lawrence and his team, you know, with speed, with speed video, um, they talked about impacting it for the promoters, uh, the track operators, uh, trying to increase the ability of putting money back into their pocket that they're, you know, they're forking out and taking on these large investments to put these races on with huge purses and so forth. So they're, they're trying and it's something that it's something that has to be done as we have to continue to grow. Um, I know Cam talks highly about his, uh, what is it? It's an NBC. Is it like a gold package or something for the yeah. AMA that he yeah, pays I for? Yeah, I mean, all the, all the networks have their own versions of this stuff. Uh, you're talking about the NBC Gold app, um, where our Supercross races go over there. And what they so what they're doing there is they're giving you an opportunity. Yeah, you can tune in Saturday Night Live and watch the race for free on the network. But if you want to see practice and qualifying and, you know, some of the other behind-the-scenes programming opportunities – you buy the app and you can watch it there. Same thing they do with IndyCar or, you know, MotoGP or whatever else they've got over there. Uh, you know, Fox probably doing the same thing with their NHRA coverage. NBC is doing it with their IndyCar coverage. Um, it's just finding ways to give more content out there and the viewers more opportunity to see it. Absolutely. Okay. So now we're going to move on to one of my favorite topics to talk to you about. So I am a diehard PRI breakfast morning person. And this year you had the torch passed to you. Yep. Tell, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that. Well, Dave Despain had been doing the PRI breakfast for uh, quite a few years, 10 years, I think it was. And Dave just, he was, he was done. He was ready to retire. He wanted to go ride his motorcycle and, uh, you know, he was he was all done working and holding a microphone. So folks at PRI reached out and said, would you be interested in, in taking over and hosting the breakfast? And I was like, man, I would love that. Uh, Speed Sports has been a proud member of SEMA and PRI. Uh, we have a booth at the, at the show every year. So, uh, yeah, it was something I was really excited about. I can also tell you it was a tremendous workload getting ready for that. We started in... Very beginning of May, uh, April, I would say, April, and um, it was nonstop all the way through the year, getting ready, conference calls and meetings and, you know, emails back and forth about what we were going to do and how we were going to do it, and um, yeah, it went over great. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed it, and and now um, we are at a spot where uh, I already got an email from them just the other day about who we want as a guest for 2020. So it never ends. Well, the, the one thing for me as a kid, as I referred to myself at that time frame, was Dave Despain being on 
throughout the week on whether it was ESPN or uh, I think there was a time where it was actually in my area on the Nashville network. Maybe I, he, he always had different nighttime shows uh, of motorsports. Uh, what was the one where he, it was always late at night and um, you know, he was a wind, tunnel. wind, wind tunnel. tunnel. Well, there we go. Yeah. And his, his, him hearing his voice is like hearing Steve Evans's voice or Mike joy's voice. It, it, yeah. it, be, be, it just had such an honor or a legacy tone to it that he was, it didn't matter if he was telling you about how the paint was drying on the wall. Dave Despain had a way of making it just riveting. Um, and you, you've become that way with hearing your voice, you know, during Supercross and, and so in the Xfinity series and so forth. So for them to pass that torch on to you, did, did, you mentioned Dave's name earlier in the show. Did did he give you a quick call and say, "Hey, Ralph, uh, go forth, be merry, do no wrong"? Or what? What, yeah. what, what kind of yeah, words so, did he have? So Dave and I go. Dave and I go way back. Um, I was a PA announcer at what was then Sears Point uh, while I was in college, and I, I saw Dave and Bob Varsha, and I walked right up to them and I asked him, you know, like you said to me earlier, I said, "How do I get your job?" And uh, Dave. Dave gave me some great insight uh, and we stayed friends and he became a great mentor over the years and we worked a thousand shows together. So when he retired and they uh, named me as his replacement, he, uh, he, they went out on social media and everything. He gave me a huge thumbs up and said they chose the right guy, which meant a ton to me. And then uh, Dave was watching because Speedsport actually live streamed that, that breakfast and Dave was watching, and as soon as it was over, I got a big one-word text from him that just said, excellent. And so for me, that was all I needed to hear, you know. And uh, when Dave gave me that kind of vote of confidence, uh, I was perfect. I was perfect. meant the world. Yeah, he he has done some outstanding interviews for those morning breakfasts with Jeff Gordon and Chip Ganassi and Brad Keselowski, just to name a few, over the past few years. Yep. And so his – just the questions to to dive in and dissect I, I that's that's that journalistic you know point of view of being able to ask somebody and get the interesting stuff out that's below the surface not the stuff that's on the surface because everybody can pretty much read that it's to hear about the backstory yeah. so okay so yeah. I've, I've had you for a while and we've got a couple things that we do on the show as we start to wrap up, uh, one, I, I want to hear about where you think the next generation of motorsports uh, personalities, uh, the up and comers. I mean, we, we've had some, you know, awesome news today with, you know, Ryan Newman being OK after his weekend, yeah. uh, you know, in Daytona. And they announced that Ross Chastain, another young gun, an up and comer that's going to fill in for him. You're over there. You're in Supercross. You're in the Xfinity Series. You've been around every form of motorsports that's possible. Give a couple quick, you know, points of confidence or, or direction to the up and comers in the motorsports world. What do they need to be doing besides holding onto a steering wheel or a handlebar? Well, unfortunately in today's world, you, you gotta be pretty good at marketing because um, you got to keep the money flowing. It's pretty rare that a Kyle Larson comes along that ends up getting 
the biggest rides just based on their skill set these days. Um, so as you're working up that ladder to hopefully getting a Rick Hendrick or a Roger Pansky or Chip Ganassi to, to notice you, you got to figure out a way to keep the money flowing so you can keep getting good rides so you can keep showing your skill set. And then you've got to get pretty good at putting that information out there, whether it's through social media, interviews, whatever you can do to get the word out about your successes and the kind of person you are and the relationships you've forged already so that people want to be involved with you. So it's not as simple as it once was back in the day of just win enough races, get another ride, win enough races, get another ride. Uh, now you've got to be multi-skilled on a lot of levels. So I, I totally agree uh, from the marketing standpoint. Your team at Speed Sport, do you openly try to mentor racers or PR people that try to reach out to, to, to try to further their brand as an individual or a race team or a sponsor? Uh, and maybe they're going about things the wrong way. Do you, do you have those moments where, where you're just like, okay, let me help you here because you're, you're about to go off a cliff? Sure. Sure. And, and you know, a lot of times, just like a PRI show, for example, you'll be standing there with our booth and people come by all the time and I, I give them a business card. Say, Hey man, look, send us your e you know, email me, let me know what's going on with you. If there's a good nugget, I'll put it in my column. I'm happy to do that. Send us a press release. When you, when you do something, if you have an announcement, you want to race, whatever it is, make sure our editors are hearing from you. Otherwise we, we, we can't hunt everybody down. There's too many guys out there, but you can come to us and we'll put the content out there for you. So I encourage people all the time. I see them at a races or uh, PRI, SEMA, whatever it might be, send it to us. Um, you'd be amazed. You sit there and you think, gosh, we have here, we're speed sport and we need this content. That's what we do. We're a content shop. You would think we'd be flooded all the time, but people trying to get in there and you think, We've never heard from this guy. Why is that? What well, you? We should be one of the first people you're sending something to, you know. Um, I can't. I can't make him do it. No, and it's funny you say that because as a kid, again reading a magazine, um, I want to say that it was National Dragster back in the day. I could be wrong though. Um, but Ernie Saxton used to write a column. I think he was out of Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, Ernie had it. Well, Ernie had his own uh, newspaper, for one. Um, so it might have been that, but he probably did write for for National Dragster too. And there was just one of those deals as a kid, and it, you know, one of the one of the little tidbits of advice was to know your local newspaper, to know your sure. local newspaper. And I was at Fort Bragg, and Tom Tom Pope tells the story way better. But I was at Fort Bragg and I was getting ready to start driving, following, trying to follow my, you know, my father passed away's footsteps in drag racing. And I went to the local Fayetteville Observer, went in and said, hey, I need to meet the motorsports guy, the editor, the writer. And they're like, he's not here today. And I'm like, OK, I'll come back. Yeah. And it took three times, but I finally met him and he wrote the first thing about me. And now I, Tom Pope would. Anything I ever do, I send to him because it was just the fact that, you know, they said, if, let somebody else help you tell your story. 
but you sure. got but well, you got to reach that, out. That's one of the things I tell people all the time about social media. You know, you can you can tell people what you're doing in 140 characters, but you can't really tell much more than the basic facts. So you should have somebody else telling the story of you, whether it's a podcast or an interview or a an article in a magazine or a newspaper, whatever it is. Um, it's one thing if you say something about you, it's even more impactful if this red square says something about you because this has got 86 years worth of credibility. And that's just here. Now that could be National Dragster. It could be, you know, any any other of the significant publications or outlets that are out there. Use their power to enhance your story. Oh, absolutely. And from when it comes from a motorsports just generalization you i mean a drag racer being talked about in speed sport or being talked about in what you know auto week whatever the case may be we're still motorsports people and we want our brand and our name to you know go before us and and expand and and increase the reach and distance so uh that's that's great advice and we we hope that people that listen to the show take that advice uh being the fact that it's coming from one of the big wigs at speed (laughs) sport all right so we got two questions as we close out sir we asked this we asked this of every guest that comes on the show the first one is you get to send a nice Christmas card to one person in the world of motorsports. Who is it? One person? One person, alive or dead. A passed on. Well, one it person. would, it would I, you know, I guess you'd have to send it to your first racing hero, right? And that would be Mario Andretti. Oh, there we go. Mario's name has not been mentioned on the show, so he will make the the list now uh just as we started off with something good we always have to end with something bad sometimes and you get to send one wtf card to someone in motorsports uh, who is it oh man god i don't know oh uh, here and we I, go. And i'm not i'm not trying to trying to um who would that be? You will not be the first personality to come on the show and try to toe tap around the, the well, WTF Well, I'm not really car. trying to toe tap around it. I'm, I'm just, you know, I guess, I guess it's one of those things that, um, you know, you could say to somebody, well, I would send it to this guy because I would be asking him, dude, what were you thinking in that move? You know, you, you totally took that guy out and you know better. That That's kind of easy. But, I, you know, I think it, it's funny um, for my career, you know, cause you might, if you'd asked me that question, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I might've said, Oh, so-and-so spun me out on a gig. So I, you know, yeah, I'd send it right to that guy. But, but nowadays, you know, you kind of reach that point in your life where you're like, you know what? I you try not to sweat that stuff anymore. Um, I've been very, very lucky in all the things I've been able to do. Uh, I've achieve so many of my goals um you know maybe maybe it'd be to the guys that always scheduled 24 hours of Le Mans and the and and the uh cup race at Michigan on the same day because I was always working the cup race at Michigan and the one race I've not yet worked I mean I've done the U.S. Nationals Daytona 500 Indy 500 Sebring, 24 Hours of Daytona, Knoxville Nationals, I mean, Winter Nationals, I've been all of them, right? I've yet to go to Le Mans. And it always fell on the same weekend 
as Michigan Cup, and I always had to work Michigan Cup, and I couldn't get to Lamar when I was at Fox, and now that door is closed. So maybe that's the guy. Well, the guy that always scheduled them all on the, on the Michigan weekend. What was he thinking? <laughs> that very well could be. That may very well be an opportunity for someone out there listening to. Uh, let's make that happen for Ralph. You know, let's I got to get, get there for that one. Got, got to check that block. Got to check that block. Yeah, well, that's the only one. Well, sir, I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, very much so, as I hope our listeners do. Where can our listeners find out, follow you, track you down, see where you are in the world, other than NBC Sports uh, on a regular well, basis? Well, listen, I mean, like everybody else, I'm on all the social media stuff. So uh, just go uh, Ralph Shaheen on Twitter, Instagram, Ralph Shaheen Sportscaster on Facebook. You can follow me over there. Um, and then, of course, speedsport.com is the easiest way to stay up with everything uh, that we're doing at SpeedSport. You can get a subscription to SpeedSport or SprintCarMidget.com for everything with that magazine over there. And then uh, you, if you want our podcasts and all that stuff is all right there through the website. So just SpeedSport.com is the easiest way to find us. Well, we greatly appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much for being on Racers and Rental Cars podcast. And we look forward to seeing and hearing you on a weekly basis all across America as you cover the America's favorite pastime of motorsports. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Glad we got to make it happen. Thank you, sir. We'd like to thank the following sponsors for supporting the Racers and Rental Cars podcast, Motion Raceworks. Visit them at motionraceworks.com. LB Trailer Sales. Visit them at lbtrailers.com. Stupid Fast Racing. Visit them at reallystupidfast.com or check them out at your local race to pick up your Racers and Rental Cars t-shirt. We'd also like to thank Performance Data Systems. Visit them at racepds.com. Streetway Marketing and Media. Visit them at facebook.com slash streetwaymedia. Voice America for producing and hosting our show. Visit them at voiceamerica.com. And we'd like to thank you, the fans that download our show every single week. Without you, this would not be possible, and we truly appreciate each and every one of you. So guys, you know the drill. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platforms and pick up your t-shirt at racersandrentalcars.com. Thanks for listening.